started. Good to see everybody tonight. Welcome to Bible study. We're glad you're here. We're going to take a few moments to pray, and then we'll get moving. Father, thanks for uh, your loving us, and thanks for your care over our lives. Thanks for revelation. Thank you, God, for opening up your word to us. Thanks for relationships with each other and with you. We give you thanks for your presence here because we've gathered in your name and here you are in our midst, God. So thanks. We ask God that you lead us, you guide us. Pray, Father, you teach us tonight. I pray that we receive of you all that you have for us. God, I pray we can focus ourselves on uh, what you're saying and what you want to do tonight. Have your way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If uh, you need a Bible, uh, they're located on the tables, and you can feel free to grab one. If you need a Bible, you can always feel free to take that Bible. Uh, we obtain Bibles to give away, and so you may have it and take it with you. Now we're going to open up to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. And as we're doing that, just as a reminder, uh, we have an interactive feature uh, with our Bible study. For our podcast listeners, uh, it is through the website <laughs> www.speakpipe.com slash Monday Night Bible Study, all one word. And if you go to that website, uh, there's a button there you can toggle, and you can leave us a message. It could be a question, comment, it could be uh, just something good God is doing. Just, you just want to say hi, tell us where you're from. Love to hear from you, and we'll endeavor to play that at our next Bible study. So, avail yourself of that. We'd love to hear from you, and uh, look forward to it. Psalm 78, I need a volunteer to read verses 24 and Psalm 78? I believe so. Psalm 78? Yes. 24 and 25? 24 and 25. Yeah, just those two verses. I mean, it's a good psalm, but... <laughs> oh, wow. 24 That's all good. He rained down Thanks. heaven for the people to eat. He gave them the grain of heaven. Human beings ate the bread of angels. Okay, that's good. 25 is good. Thank you. Appreciate it. And by his power made the south wind blow. Thanks. Thanks. So, if we're looking at these verses, um, a couple things I want to start off with, just stay saying. Uh, and then we can move on from there. But if you read the whole psalm, and you can go back and read on it as I'm talking, that'd be fine. But uh, the idea is uh, people, when they were traveling from Egypt and they were going to the Promised Land, they took a two-week trip and made it into 40 years. All right, that, that wasn't really a long trip that they had there, but it took them 40 years to do it. 
And part of the reason that it took them 40 years to do it was because they were disobedient. And they, they forgot God. And when you forget God, that leads to disobedience. And that's one of the lessons of the wilderness that we have is that uh, we have to be careful not to forget God and forget who he is and forget what he's done. Because as we do that, we tend to go off and do things, not what he wants us to do, but we end up doing just stuff that we want to do. And that is, in many ways, and most of the time, disobedience. Sin will take away our heart for stuff. Smoking? Yes. Oh. Um, well, I look at it more as it's a bondage. Okay, in other words, anything that is that you do all the time, it can be a habit, but then when you can't stop, it becomes a bondage. All right? So, uh, and that depends on the person. Uh, there are certain things in life that are like that. Like there are certain people that... <coughs> Well, right, you know, you think about, think about some people can go and get a drink, right? Like, a, and they just have a couple drinks and they go home. But other people, they can't do that. And they're, they have a bondage toward alcohol. And so, they don't, they, it could destroy their lives, okay? And I was going to say drugs, another thing. Gambling. Think about gambling. Some people can go and they go to the casino, they gamble, and they go home. I, I pray that God keep, me, keep us all at self. Keep, pray that God keeps you at self. Right. So, to answer your question, uh, smoking, uh, I think it's destructive. But I think the main issue with it is it leads to bondage. And we don't want to be in bondage, we want to be free. And so we need to choose freedom. And that, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. And so the idea of sin in our life will, it dispirits us. And, and I, I want to try to explain that to you somehow, but it takes away our heart in a way. Uh, you think about faith, and with no faith, there's no purpose. And that's a real problem. That's a problem in the world we live in, that people are looking for purpose. They're looking for reason for being. They're looking for something to define their life by, something that, that makes something worthwhile in their life. And so they try different things. They go to different things. They, they will you know, put themselves into different organizations, whatever, trying to figure it out. It can. It can. And, and those are choices from people trying to figure something out that really only Jesus is going to be able to fill. And, that, and that's part of the issue is that we've come so far in our society away from Jesus that um, people don't even think of that. 
absolutely. No, absolutely, and and that. But for two thousand years, Jesus has been the answer, whether we knew it or not, and and so at certain points in our existence, uh, you know, especially our society here, Jesus has been more of something that people think about. He's more of something that people think about than he is today, and and that's okay. I got I got to teach it. I'm gonna do it. Okay. And so if, if if we're gonna understand, you know, where people are coming from, we're gonna have to understand that they're looking for something. We're looking for something. Some of you came here, and before you got to this place, you were looking for something somewhere. All right. How many people have come into this place that were looking for something elsewhere, and they couldn't find it? How many people come into this place that they are coming out of? Addictions. How many people are coming into this place that they're coming out of bad situations or coming out of uh, homelessness or whatever it is, group homes, whatever it happened to be? And, and the idea behind that is that they're looking for what? They're looking for meaning. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for something. They're looking for uh, love. They're looking for whatever it is. All right. And I don't mean to just gloss over a bunch of stuff that people are looking for, but they are. I mean, people are really looking for stuff. They're looking for meaning. And in the psalmist, when he's talking about this, he talks about, and he, he, he puts together two things. He puts together the idea of faith and purpose in our life. And, and it's, it's hard for us sometimes, from where we came from, to be able to look back and say, well, I, I understood that. Well, you probably didn't. Most of us didn't understand that. But I'm hoping at some point in our lives that we, we can come to that place and I hope most of us have come to that place where we understand there's a marriage between faith and purpose. You know, I think of people that have answered calls on their life. I mean, that's purpose, right? Yeah, I got a call on my life, so I'm going to go and I'm going to do whatever God's called me to do. I don't care where that is. That could be around the block. That can be in China. That could be in Thailand. That could be in Pakistan. That could be in, in Senegal. That could be wherever it is in Northern Ireland, whatever. It could be any of those places. It could be places we haven't been yet. But it, it could be Chicago, or it could be, you know, again, around the corner somewhere. It could be at a school here in the city, whatever it is. But answering that call and beginning to move in our life in faith is the real, I believe, catalyst for purpose in our life. Because you can make something up, but that doesn't make it real. And, and we do. We make stuff up. And we try to generate something. We try to, to make something happen, but it's not real. And there's so much that's not real in this world, we don't need to add to it. You know, we don't need to add to the fantasy world. We don't need to add to the pretend world. We don't need to add to all the stuff that's out there that means absolutely nothing in, in the real, tangible world that we're living in. We don't need to add to that. And so, as the psalmist is writing, he, he begins to talk about, and I, and I think it's kind of interesting, he talks about manna. And uh, if you're going to define manna, what would you think? What would you say? What would you say manna is? Okay. All right, what else? 
Because we got different ideas about what we think it is, right? A tortilla. <laughs> what? All right. Well, it's kind of interesting that the word, there's two possibilities where the word came from. And they both may have some portion of meaning in where they came up with the word manna. Because think about this, something they'd never seen before. They're in the wilderness. In other words, they're in the desert. And this stuff falls out of the sky. They gather it up. And then they can make food to eat. Okay? Now, what I want you to understand from it, though, is we got this idea like loaves of bread were falling out of the sky. That's not what it was. It was more like grain. And they were able to take the grain, mill it, and then make something. All right? That was the process. And so they didn't, they'd never seen it before, so they named it. And so there's two words that are related to the word manna. Are you ready for it? First word is a word that means prepared appointed and distributed okay that makes sense right god prepared it appointed and distributed the other word in hebrew that's close to manna is it means what is it it's a question what is it all right i think they're both related to manna though in the sense that it was prepared it was appointed it was distributed and what was it don't know they didn't know yeah, who knows? I don't really know. I don't know what it was. All right, but let's look at some Bible verses from New Testament. Let's look at John chapter 6. Turn to John chapter 6, and we'll look at a few verses from there. John chapter 6. Okay, here's the verses. John chapter 6, verses 31, 32, 49, and 58. I'll say them again. 31, 32, 49, 58. So I need somebody. John 6, 31. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Okay, so there it's called what? Bread. Bread. So bread from heaven. He gave them to eat. Okay, verse 32. Somebody else. Jesus said to them, Very, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. Okay, now who's he talking about? Okay, so he's starting to, he's interjecting himself into the conversation here. He's saying, okay, there was manna, that was bread from heaven. Now that was a literal provision that God gave to his people in the wilderness. That this, this manna fell from heaven and they were able to eat off of it for 40 years. Long time. But then he said, now, what I want you to really understand is that Jesus is the true manna. He is the true bread from heaven in the New Testament sense, in our understanding of what it is. Okay? And that's what he's trying to tell them in verse 32. Verse uh, 49. Yeah, eventually. I mean, everybody that left Egypt except for Joshua and Caleb. And they all died in the wilderness, Joshua and Caleb. And then there were only two of the ones that left Egypt to actually enter into the promised land. Everybody else died. Okay? 
So their forefathers, as he said there, literally, they ate the bread from heaven, but they died. Well, except for Joshua and Caleb. Okay, verse 58. Talking about himself. Okay, so you got Jesus describing himself as the bread from heaven, as the manna. All right, now I want you to keep that in mind. The reason I, I went through these verses at the very beginning of the Bible study is that it's applicable to what we're looking at in the rest of the study, right, from the Psalms. Because I want you to think, I just always have in your mind, Jesus is the true bread from heaven for us, right? And so as we partake of him and we partake in him, we'll never die. They all died eating this stuff, but we will never die. Now, here we go. God's provision. Okay, so this was God's provision raining down. And I want you to think about what that must have been like. They had no food. They're in a wilderness. If you've ever been in a wilderness, and I've had the privilege of being in a few wildernesses in my life, uh, the Sahara Desert, the Gobi Desert. I've been out in the desert out in California. <coughs> a number of wildernesses. There's nothing to eat. And I mean, whatever there is to eat is really scarce. So really not much. None to drink either. And so the fact that God would rain down manna from heaven was unusual and wonderful. But here's something I want you to think about. It aggravated the unbelief of the people. God provided supernaturally for these people. What do these people want to do? They want to complain. What are they complaining about? Well, we, we miss Egypt. What was in Egypt? The leeks and the onions and the garlic and all the stuff that they missed from Egypt. Yeah, that's garbage can. They missed all that stuff from Egypt, okay? And so they were complaining about that. That started almost immediately. It's like, well, we're out here, but you have this supernatural provision being poured out all the time. I'm going to head home. Have a good night. Nice to meet you. I like hearing about Jesus' story. Okay. Nice to meet you. My name is Mike. Mike. I'm Andy. Michael Tyler. Michael Tyler. I'm Andy. You too. And so it's unusual that something like that would happen. Now, what was the problem with the manna? Anybody? It would spoil it. Okay, you couldn't you couldn't uh, store it. What else is the problem with the manna? What would be your main problem with the manna? It was the same thing every day. But the fact is. It showed up supernaturally every day. Every day. It was a supernatural, unusual, wonderful provision that would rain down from heaven every single day. When they complained enough about it, yep. God certainly uh, threw it down. Uh -huh. What do you mean? No, 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 that's the only type. So it's the same thing every day, okay? And the problem with that that people had was that they were used to a variety of food. In other words, like we are. You go to the supermarket and you get a variety of food. 
And so you can get what you want. But they, they were used to being in Egypt. And in Egypt, there were all these different tastes and all these different varieties and all these different things that they could get. Now they're in the wilderness. They're in the middle of the wilderness. They're out in the middle of nowhere. And supernaturally, God is raining down manna from heaven that they can make their food out of. And they can eat and be filled every single day. That was aggravating, though, because they wanted to complain about it. You see, God's supernatural provision is aggravating if all you want to do is complain. It's just aggravating. Because what are you going to say? God, it's the same thing every day. That's what they did say eventually. They just complained about it. But you know what? It's still showing up. You know what? You're not starving to death. You know what? It's a supernatural occurrence. Every morning when you get up, there it is. You know what? You don't have to plow any fields and you don't have to reap. It's right outside. Let's go pick it up. Make your food. Eat. Be filled every single day. You get it. There it is. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got you got a break on the Passover. You got a break on the Sabbath because he didn't want you out there gathering. Yeah. So, so anyway, you get you getting what I'm saying? And this is something I want you to think about in your life. I really do. I want you to begin to think about God's supernatural provision over your life. And I want you to think Wow, what are you going to complain about? What is there to complain about? And I want you to think about that. Because his supernatural provision, wonderful, unusual provision, can aggravate you, can aggravate you if you're going to live in ingratitude for it. Uh, I want more stuff. I want different stuff. Hey, could we mix this in with some of the uh, onion and garlic flavor manna? Um, yeah, I was wondering, you know, if we get some pesto flavor just a little bit. Sour cream and onion. How about barbecue manna? And jalapeno. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? See, and there's an aggravation that takes place in our life when we can't be satisfied with God's supernatural provision over our life. Because he does, he provides, and it's wonderful, and it's unusual, and it's all him, but how easy it is to complain. We have a complaining nature about us as human beings. Yeah, just like that. Yeah, just like that. A complaining nature about us. And we need to, to rein that in. We do. We need to rein in that part of us that does that. That spoiled brat that's in each one of us that wants our way. That somehow wasn't beaten out of us when we were three or two years old. And it's still there and we still want our way. And, and we need to rein that in. Because missing out on God's provision for our life I mean, really? And I mean missing out on it. Complaining our way through it. Living in unbelief when the supernatural is raining down all around us. There's something wrong with that. 
There really is something wrong with that. These people proved there was something wrong with that. Right? They did. They, they, they did. And I want you to think, if Jesus is the true bread from heaven, and he lives in our hearts, and he dwells with us and abides with us, there is something unusual and something wonderful about that today. There really is. We can choose to recognize that, and we can choose to live in it, or we can just say, same old, same old, give me some sour cream and onions. I mean it. Because maybe, maybe Jesus in my heart and Jesus in my life and Jesus with me in my daily activities, maybe, you know, it's not the, you know, we're not doing cartwheels and, and fireworks aren't going off every single day. Maybe not. But we can still choose to live in faith. We can still choose to live in the understanding that we are in the presence of the Lord God Almighty of the universe. He's chosen to live in our hearts. He's chosen to go to work with us today. He's chosen to, to, to hang out with us. He's chosen to tuck us in at night. We're going to sleep. Something powerful about that. And so he, he talks, he says it's the grain from heaven. The grain of heaven. Some of your Bibles say corn of heaven. Yeah. But that's the idea. You know, you get whatever it is they, they gathered up. We don't even know what they gathered up. They got something. And they could grind it up and they could make meal out of it. And they could make bread out of it. <coughs> well, yeah. But I mean, the grain of heaven, and I want you to think about this for a second, is a literal spiritual food that they ate physically. Okay? They got a literal spiritual food that they could eat physically. The grain of heaven. What was it? I don't know. They didn't know. It just was, and it showed up every day. And, and they could make food out of it, and they did, and they ate off of it for 40 years. But think about where does grain come from? Where does it spring out of normally? It springs out of the earth. Most grain springs out of the earth. Where does spiritual grain come from? Hmm? It rains down from heaven. Right. Yeah. So instead of springing up from the earth, the, the, the spiritual food, the grain of heaven, rains down from heaven. Now that's kind of interesting, right? I just want to think, just for a second on that, that that's kind of interesting that we spend a lot of energy trying to make things that are like here or this or that spiritual. They're not. They're just not. All right, this chair isn't spiritual. It's a chair. This table's not spiritual. It's a table. This monster energy drink is definitely not spiritual. It's a monster energy drink. All right. It just is what it is, all right? Darnold Palmer is not even spiritual. It's just what it is, all right? And we can keep doing gymnastics to try to make it spiritual. 
But the spiritual food, the spiritual sustenance, even Jesus himself comes down from heaven. That's where the spiritual food comes from. All right? It doesn't come from another person. All right? Our spiritual food does not come from the person sitting beside us. It doesn't grow out of the ground somehow, and we proclaim it spiritual. We don't need to do that. It's not something that we make happen, and we, if, we, if we invest enough effort into it, we can make it spiritual. No, you can't, because it's not. It's not its nature, and it's not where it came from. But if we want the spiritual food, spiritual food comes down from heaven. It rains down, and that's where we get it from. And so think about Jesus. He's like, I'm the true bread from heaven. I'm the true manna. Where? Yeah, well, the Holy Spirit impregnated a woman. And, he, and she bore a son. He was a human being. But you know what? Father, the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit. The true bread comes down from heaven. Our lives become spiritual, not because we somehow figure out a way to make them spiritual. Our lives become spiritual not because we can take that base thing that was us at one point that, that did whatever it wanted to do and was whoever it wanted to be, not because we take that thing and we somehow force it and mold it and make it and we, and we pummel it and we put it into a mold and it comes out Jesus-shaped. That's not how it works. What, what does work, though, is what Jesus said in John 3, is that we're born again. And where are we born from? We're born from above. We're born from the Spirit. All right? Just like he was. That's how we become spiritual. It's not our doing. It's not something we make. It's not something. Even maximum effort can't do it. It's, that's not the point. That's not the way. And you can expend a ton of effort your whole life trying to be spiritual, and it's never going to work. Never, never, never. The only way you'll be spiritual is for it to rain down from heaven into your life, to be born again of the Spirit. That's how we're spiritual. It's the only way. It's our, it, it, it becomes part of us and who we are then. We might look it, we might sound it. We might dress like it. It doesn't make it so. <coughs> I was telling Chris today at our intern meeting, and this is a story some of you have heard before. I was at a conference one time, and there was a pretty big-name evangelist that was sharing, and he shared a dream that he had. And in this dream, there was a lot to it, but just to condense it for you, he was in heaven. And while he was standing in heaven, there were all these people standing around that he could see. And in front of each one of them, there was a pile of straw. And so each person had a pile of straw, and they were just all standing there. And so Jesus appeared, and he, he just began to touch a flame, a torch to the pile of straw. And so when he would touch it with the, the torch, the pile of straw would just vanish. It'd burn up. And for some of the people, there would be 
like these little piles of like gems, gemstones, like a ruby or an emerald or a diamond or maybe just one or whatever, that there'd be something left there. And then for some people, there'd be nothing left there. And so he, he kept going down, and the guy, and people appeared as they appeared in life, and he, he would see people, and he was thinking, okay, well, that guy, he looks spiritual. He looks like, you know, he's, he's got it together for Jesus. And, and then that guy wouldn't have anything under his pile. Or there'd be another guy that looked like a homeless person, and he'd touch it, and there'd be rubies and diamonds under his pile. Or there'd be another guy, and he would look a certain way, or that guy. And, and what basically happened is while he was watching it, he kind of came to the conclusion that he couldn't tell. He didn't know. By looking at somebody, he, 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 there was no way he would know if, what was going to be under the pile. You, you couldn't, he just couldn't know. And so as it got closer to him, he just got more and more nervous. Because he's looking at his pile and he starts to wonder, I wonder what's under my pile. And he said, right when Jesus was dropping that flame onto his pile, he woke up in a sweat. Now, I want to reemphasize that this guy was a pretty big-time evangelist. He had prayed with literally thousands and thousands of people to know Jesus. He had traveled around the world. He had a reputation for being an awesome Christian, signs, wonders, miracles, all this done. People healed, unusual miracles, outrageous miracles, whatever. Super, supernatural miracles. I mean, the guy, well known. I thought it was really interesting that standing in front of a group of people, he would say, I didn't know what was going to be under my pile. Right? I mean, do you, do you follow what I'm saying? Because you'd think that guy would be like, bring it on. No. He didn't know. And what it happened, and what happens to us, is there's a muddling of what we do and what Jesus does. There's a confusion and a crossover between our effort and his work in us spiritually. And what's going to remain is what's done spiritually. You know, all that effort we put in, gung-ho, going for it, yeah, that doesn't, that's not, that's not it. And I'm not saying lay around and watch TV all day either. I'm just saying that we, we need to be led of the Spirit. We need to be responsive to the Holy Spirit. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to empower us for the work that He's called us to. We need to get a hold of that vision for our life and let Him lead us into it. Yeah. Because that's where we're going to find purpose. That's where we're going to find peace. That's where we're going to find joy. That's where we're going to find fruitfulness as God's people. That's where it is. And so it's true spirituality in us. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the born again. Being born from above. That's us. That's how we become spiritual. That's how we 
live spiritually. That's how we grow spiritually. You know, where does water come from? Well, two places, right? All right? So usually when we think of water, it falls from heaven, okay? I thought it was interesting that when, but it doesn't all come from heaven because I have a well out behind my house up in Inlet, right? It comes up from the ground too. But I thought it was interesting that Moses, God had Moses strike a rock and the rock produced water. I thought that was really interesting because water doesn't really come from a rock, does it? No, it doesn't. And and I thought, and I was thinking about that while I was thinking about, you know, where grain comes from, where true bread comes from, and then I'm thinking about water, but you know what? God provided for his people supernaturally from a rock. And, of course, we know Jesus is the rock. Okay? <coughs> <clears throat> so if you're picking up a theme here, there are all kinds of natural ways to make provision for your life. But there's one spiritual way, and that's through Jesus. And so, how, whatever that means to you, I'm going to provide what? You're going to provide companionship for yourself? You will surely screw that up. You will. You will. Jesus can do it. That's the spiritual way to go about it, is ask him. You know, you're going to do what? I'm going to provide, you're going to provide what? Food and shelter and, and money? Well, the spiritual way, you'll surely screw that up too. The spiritual way is to go to Jesus for your provision. Okay, and I hope you're kind of understanding what I'm saying. There needs to be a shift in our thinking. There needs to be a shift in our perspective that moves us away from the natural into the spiritual. And as, as plain as I can make that, making that shift isn't some woo-woo thing like, ooh, it's out there somewhere, I can't quite put my finger out. No, it's in the person of Jesus. And, and that's the best way I can describe it to you, is that we've got to find those needs in the person of Jesus. We've got to find that, that peace in the person of Jesus. We've got to find that provision in the person of Jesus. We've got to find that companionship in the person of Jesus and in his provision over our lives. Well, that's boring. So be it. So be it. Do not reject the provision of God because you think it's boring. That manna kept them alive in the desert, but it was the same thing every single day. And yet they were full every day. Every day, satisfied. We can't reject his provision because it's not as flashy or it's not as, as whatever our three-year-old little, little person in us wants it to be. That immature brat that comes out every now and then. Control that brat. Control it. Because real life doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. And a lot of real life, I want to just share something. You may already know this, but a lot of real life is kind of boring. I'm sorry. 
I found that out. I mean, you know, I live a pretty full life. I do. I, I live a pretty full life. I do a lot of adventurous things. I always have. I'm a risk taker. But if you really added up the minutes and hours and days of my life, most of them are really pretty boring. And that's just how it is. And we need to be satisfied with what we have. Satisfied with his provision. Satisfied with the spiritual food that he's pouring out. You know, the food of angels was shared with us. The food of angels. I'm not talking about angel food cake either. No. That's all I kept thinking of, too. I kept thinking of angel food cake. No. The food of angels was shared with us. Literally, it's the bread of the mighty. It's how that's translated, the bread of the mighty. Got shared with us, with those people in the wilderness. And so they got the food of angels, the bread of the mighty. What was the best thing they could do with it? They just complained about it all the time. They just complained. Ah, oh, this again. Ah. Oh. You know, I can't even get my kids to eat leftovers. They'd rather go hungry than eat leftovers, both of them. Yeah, I just can't. I, I've never been able to get them to eat leftovers. Say, so, all right, well, I'm not going to make anything. You'll eat them? Okay, all right. All right. Yeah, so, but I mean, I've just never been able to do it. So I'm like, I'm not making anything else. Okay, we just want to eat. All right. That happened a few times, too. So, kind of spoiled, right? Kind of spoiled. Kind of. And to, to be able to say no to that, and to be able to say yes to God's provision over our life, the bread of the mighty. Somebody look at 2 Thessalonians 1.7, in case you're wondering who the mighty are. 2 Thessalonians 1.7, just real quick. Just to clarify, the, the mighty... Or some translations say mighty angels. So the mighty, you know, again, I, the only reason I read that is to just clarify, make sure you understand that when it's talking about the bread of the mighty, the bread of the powerful, it's the food of angels. That's what they were given. And you'd think that'd be good, right? Like they're living like princes in the earth. They got the food of angels. I mean, if you, if you kind of, if you come up to the table of the king and you're sharing food with the king, you're eating the best, right? I mean, you know, theoretically, depends on where the king is and who he is, but, I mean, theoretically, you're, you're eating with the king, you're eating the best. That's the best food available. Well, here they were. They're sharing the food of angels, the bread of heaven. It's the best. And all they could do is complain about it. Are you getting this? And most of you would think to yourself, and you don't have to say this, but I know you're thinking it, that they were justified in complaining because it was the same thing every day. You need to really get that out of your head because that's messed up. Hmm. Right. 
Right. I have to drive the same green car every day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it would be a ni really nice car. It's the best car. It's just not the color you want. Right. 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 So you're going to complain about it every day. You see, that's ingratitude by its very nature. That is ingratitude. And we need to strike that down in our lives. And you know, is this a hard word? I mean, I'm asking you. Is this, I mean, it's kind of a hard word because it speaks to some of our selfish nature that we're not used to speaking to. And especially in a privileged culture like we live in, we don't like this. All right? We want variety. We want to do what we want to do. We want our choices. We love that stuff. And yet, when God decides that he's just going to pour out the best of heaven for us, and it's not as varied, or it's not the color, or it's not doesn't smell like, or it doesn't whatever, to our expectations, are we willing to pass up the very best heaven has to offer to satisfy our toddler needs. And I want you to really consider that. Because they are toddler needs. I don't like that color. Okay, little boy, little girl. I like this. Okay. Understanding that we're getting the best has to be an important part of changing our minds about this. It just has to. Because I think some of us have given up God's best for some ridiculous, ridiculous choice. We just have. And we, we've passed up on the, the bread of the mighty for the the chip of the barbecue or whatever okay and there's 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 just no reason for it except for we just want what we want the day we can suppress that the day that we can overcome that the day that we live in victory over that is the day we really begin to receive the best of the best that God has for us Really. And I mean really receive it. Really live in it. Find joy in it. To really live like princes and princesses. You know, and they had all the food they could eat. It might not have been the what they it might not have been the flavor they wanted, but they had all they could eat every day. All they could eat. <coughs> right in the Lowe's Plaza. Golden Corral. But they could they could eat as much as they wanted. It was complete provision every single day for them. Complete provision. And they were eating the bread of angels. The grain of heaven. They were given complete provision every single day and in a physical sense if you eat to your full you are satisfied and I, I 
I pray somehow that kind of satisfaction can translate into our spirit, can translate into our soul, like in our mind, in our emotions. That kind of satisfaction. I mean, you know when you're full when you're eating. Most people do, anyway. You eat, unless you got a genetic abnormality, but most people, they eat, they know when they're full, and you stop, and you're satisfied. Or as they say in Australia, you're replete. We're replete. And that's it. And so if that could translate into our spirit, if that could translate into our soul, man, life would be a lot better. It's such a good feeling, man. You eat what you're going to eat. You eat your fill. You push back. Maybe you take a nap. Maybe watch a little football, whatever it is, after Thanksgiving dinner, whatever it is. If you don't overstuff yourself, you're not uncomfortable. You know, you just replete. There's something really satisfying about that. And let that begin to translate into our spiritual lives, like to live in that kind of satisfaction, into our emotional life, into our relational lives together, to live in satisfaction. That's powerful. That's peaceful. That's even joyful. That's restful, too. It really is. And so there's the age-old question, Egypt versus freedom. Right? Because Egypt, they said, well, we were full and we were satisfied, but they were what in Egypt? Slaves. Slaves, bondage. With the manna from heaven in the wilderness, they were full and they were satisfied every day. Every day. But, but what were they? They were free, man. Free. Free. I can't, I can't make this switch in your head for you. I can't. I'm sorry. If I could, I'd help. You know, if I could reach in and tweak something in your brain, you know, you don't want me doing that. But, I mean, if I could, I'd help out. But I can't. And that's up to you. Um, yeah, it's up to you. If, if you're going to live your life that you're just going to constantly get yours, you're not going to make this switch. He's not. If you're going to live your life trusting God, that he's got you, you got a fighting chance. Let's take a few minutes, and I just want to pray. And let's just, let's just take a moment. And I want to encourage you, take a moment. Maybe some things that you can begin that process of switching over. Jesus is here. And he satisfies he will fill you up tonight. I just pray he's enough for you.
I do. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you that you provide for us. Uh, you got the best for us, really. We have the example of your people in the wilderness and God, how you provided for them. Not just anything, man. You gave them the best. The best. Grain from heaven. Food of angels. Bread of the mighty. They ate like princes. God, I pray you teach us what it means to live in gratitude for the best that you give us. Because you do give us the best. And I pray, Father, that we can find that place of gratitude in our hearts to really, really thank you for the best. True purpose is found in faith. True meaning is found in faith. Give us the best, God. I pray that we can fight the three-year-old in each one of us to accept it as the best. Not our selfish, ignorant, childish demands. But really, really, seeing what you have for us as the best. Jesus, we don't have to look any further than you. You're the true bread from heaven. You fill us. You're with us. You offer life abiding in you. There's nothing better. There is nothing better I just pray we can find our rest and our satisfaction in that. Your plans for our life are the best. I pray we can accept that. The vision that you want to pour in, it's, it's the absolute best that could ever, ever happen. I pray we can receive that in faith. Your love is better than any other love. Thanks, God. Thanks, God. Our life is in you. Our future is in you. Our purpose is in you. Our happiness is in you. Our joy is in you. Our peace is in you. Our rest is in you. Our healing is in you. Our wholeness is in you. Thanks, God. Just take a moment, respond to the Holy Spirit. You respond to him. Thanks, God.
Jesus. God. So God, I pray we'd start feasting like princes and princesses on your provision in our life. Yeah. Pray we leave behind the childish and we take the life that you've given us up and find our rest and our peace and our joy in that. Continue this work, God, of shifting our perspectives, challenging our points of view, really helping us to fight against the selfish things that keep coming up in our lives. We give you thanks tonight for a better way. Jesus, love you, God. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for being in us. Thanks for your close presence. I pray we enjoy you more and more every single day. Give you thanks and praise tonight. Ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>